This is the Ag Queen Podcast. This podcast explores the agriculture industry with the movers and shakers of those shaping it. Here's your host, Lori Boyer. And before we start with the show today, I want to let you know that this podcast is brought to you by the National Pork Board. Request your free on-farm sustainability report at porkcheckoff.org front slash sustainability. Today, I take some time to visit with Adam Keppel. He is the chief executive officer of a company called Agrology. So let's get started. Adam, tell me a little bit more about yourself, your background, and how you came to be where you're at with Agrology. Yes, I grew up in the Bay Area in California, and that was a fun place to be in uh, when I was growing up because there was lots of droughts and we were real sensitive to water. And I also spent a lot of time on the weekends going to my godparents' house up in Sebastopol where they had an apple orchard. And one of my favorite things to do was to help out in that apple orchard. And when I was little, that would mostly be harvesting and eating the apples. When I got older, it was uh, juicing the apples into the cider they'd sell. And then when I got even older, it was fixing up the equipment and making it more efficient, Um, starting with things like connecting exercise bikes to stuff that was originally hand cranked. And then eventually hiking and cooking up electric motors because you can only do so much pedaling um, before you get tired. But it was a lot of fun. And that probably, I think, is where my early interest in agriculture came from. Uh, it was really, really hands-on stuff there and seeing how you could go from a season of, you know, raising a crop to harvest to making, to this day, still the best apple cider I've ever had in my life. Um, and uh, so that was a great experience. When I got to college, I did a senior thesis on um, agricultural engineering. I was a mechanical engineer by background. And then I kind of kept working on it side of desk uh, as I worked in a variety of fields um, until I got to a point where uh, my co-founder, Tyler Locke, and I, we were hanging out one day at the office and he was saying, you know, that side of desk prototype stuff you've been doing for ag tech. He's like, if we put some real engineering behind it, uh, we can make a pretty neat system there that could probably help some, some crop growers solve a lot of their problems. And that's really what kicked us off. How long has Agrology been in existence as a company? We've been uh, incorporated and running for uh, just over two years now. Um, uh, and the key thing that kicked us off was winning a National Science Foundation Small Business Innovative Research Grant. Uh, it gave us the, the resources we need to go out and build a whole new technology instead of just kind of assembling stuff off the shelves to really target these problems that specialty crop growers are facing today. Okay. And you're based in Sonoma, right? Uh, we are based in Sonoma and actually also in Northern Virginia uh, okay. as well. Okay. So that leads us right into talking about those systems that you're referring to. Can you kind of give us a layman's term, if you will, on what the system is and how it works? Well, the way I like to describe it first off is to say that, you know, we we're really trying to look at problems people are facing. And so before we even started building anything, um, I had some fun little stuff running, you know, my own little home garden and that sort of thing. But we went out, we talked to a lot of growers in the Central Valley of California and uh, up in wine country uh, to understand what they were, what they needed. And we originally were thinking, let's help with irrigation. Irrigation's hard and there's droughts. Uh, and we quickly learned that that wasn't going to work. Uh, and there's one particular reason that most people were working with a crop consultant or an agronomist or, or someone like that who handled all of their inputs and gave them a lot of really critical guidance. And coming along and saying, like, this person that you've been working with for decades, who probably comes to Thanksgiving, uh, don't worry about them anymore. Come work with this technology company. Well, that's just not how the industry works. Um, we're talking about trusted relationships here. And so we realized that we'd have to build a product that would work for everyone, the, the consultant and the grower, and it would augment people and you know, not in any way try and replace them. And so the key thing there was we couldn't just measure one thing and try and be a company that helps with irrigation or a company that maybe helps with spray scheduling. It was how do we sense as much information as possible 
and turn that into insights that growers and their consultants can use together to drive profitability. Uh, and so what we proposed to the National Science Foundation when we were trying to get um, the money to build our system was what we call uh, hyper-signal sensing. What that means is basically just measuring a lot of stuff. Um, the reason being that consultants are holistic. They look at everything that goes into growing a profitable crop, uh, from irrigation schedules to spray schedules to uh, everything else that needs to happen across the specialty crop, crop sector. And so we had to measure a lot of stuff so we could generate insights that would help uh, across the entire growing spectrum. And so what the product does is it puts a raise of sensors in the soil and in the atmosphere. It gets all that data up into a secure encrypted cloud. So each of our growers gets their own encryption key that they control. So no one else can touch or see that data. We actually can't even see it without their permission, which is kind of fun. Um, and then it looks at that data and uses machine learning to generate insights like warnings about extreme temperature, um, detections of uh, wildfire smoke in the air, which is really critical to our wine grape customers. And it alerts them to this ideally ahead of time based on predictions so that they can take action. Uh, and those actions or interventions that'll maintain profitability or save the crop. And we found this is really critical as we see more and more extreme events happening and less predictability to the weather. We wanna be out ahead of them uh, giving, giving our customers warnings about what they can do to maintain their profitability, uh, even in a challenging uh, growing year. Adam, do you have your own satellites then that are up there or how does that uh, work? Great question. So today uh, we, we don't fly around satellites because we're not an aerospace company. We're an agricultural company. Uh, we use a variety of ways to get data out of the field. Uh, of course, once you get outside of a, um, a developed area into agricultural regions, there's not always cellular connectivity. And so we can install our own network when necessary um, that talks to our devices. And that network can then send to a cell network if we can, you know, find a signal someplace with a special antenna. We are we can go to satellite if need be. Um, we can also go to an Ethernet connection, uh, you know, in a, in a barn or even sometimes in a grower's home. And we've tried all these approaches. Uh, the key thing is the flexibility to know that if a customer needs us to solve their problems, we can deploy the product and help them. The show will continue after this quick word from our sponsor, which is the National Pork Board. As a pig farmer, you know that sustainability is doing what's right for people, pigs, and a planet. However, doing what's right must be shared with today's savvy consumers to help grow public trust in pig farming while protecting your freedom to operate. To measure and document your farm sustainability efforts, National Pork Board encourages you to create an on-farm sustainability report. These reports can help increase production efficiencies and improve your bottom line. Request your free report today at porkcheckoff.org front slash sustainability. So I'm trying to visualize exactly how it works. Then I get sure. the satellite thing, how, how the information goes back and forth that way. But is it an actual like apparatus that is put on somebody's structure or does it go yeah. in the ground or how does that sure. work? So the best thing I'd say behind me is one of our devices that has the two um, sensor arrays. So you're looking at the, uh, the atmospheric and above ground sensing portion. Uh, and I can actually, I can, and I'll just grab this. Yeah, I'll pop it off. Uh, and you may recognize this. It, it can mount just uh, right into a step-in fence post because when we've been in the field, we find they're easy to use. Um, so the device is pretty small and that's deliberate. It can go in about five to 10 minutes. Uh, and that's critical because you want to install a lot of them so you can capture microclimates. And then most of the stuff on the bottom here, we have a, you know, a, sens a sensor payload uh, that measures air quality, moisture, um, and a variety of signals like that. Uh, then there's also a soil probe that goes in the ground looks like this that has another four to five sensors in it, depending on the crop type. These devices have an antenna in them. They'll transmit to what's called a gateway. 
um, that consolidates the signal. And then the gateway will put in a place where there is a cell signal or where it can plug into the ethernet or if need be a satellite uplink. Um, it works kind of like a cell phone with you know, this being the equivalent of a cell, cell phone and the gateway being the equivalent of a cell tower. The show will continue after this quick word from our sponsor, which is the National Pork Board. As a pig farmer, you know that sustainability is doing what's right for people, pigs, and a planet. However, doing what's right must be shared with today's savvy consumers to help grow public trust in pig farming while protecting your freedom to operate. To measure and document your farm sustainability efforts, National Pork Board encourages you to create an on-farm sustainability report. These reports can help increase production efficiencies and improve your bottom line. Request your free report today at porkcheckoff.org sustainability. Adam, right now, are most of your customers located in the California area or do you have customers all over the place? Most of our customers are located in the California area. We have a few in Virginia. And a big part of the reason for that is that we are focused on specialty crops. Uh, so specialty crops, California, that's what I grew up with. And, you know, that's kind of what I really love. Uh, additionally, we have a lot of customers who are wine grape growers. And so that's going to force us towards California again. So in Napa and Sonoma, and even in Virginia, we already have some wineries. How often does the technology, I guess on either side, the satellite or on your device side, how, do, how often does that have to be updated or new pieces of equipment installed? Sure, so that's a great question. I think in agriculture, what I, another thing I learned from our farmers when we we're out talking with them early on in the first versions of our product is they always say, well, what do you do when it breaks? Not if, uh, because we all know, it's going to break. Um, and we've seen this. And the joke I always say is, you know, you think you've designed a nice piece of sensing equipment and then a, a sprayer comes by and it just blasts it with 60 mile per hour wind filled with water and corrosive chemicals. And uh, next thing you know, it's not working anymore. So the, the thing that we learned was you don't want to design something that lasts forever uh, because you can't and it's going to be expensive and you want to make it work well and answer questions and deliver value to your customers. And then when it's time, they can send it back to us and we'll send them a new one. Uh, and so we design our devices to last three to five years. The batteries that power them can let them last up to eight. But honestly, by eight years from now, they'll be obsolete and we'll have something better we want to put out there to help our, uh, our customers you can, that can answer even more questions. So we structured the business so that our customers aren't ever owning these devices. It's a service and we just handle replacement, maintenance and upgrades over time. We don't tend to have to do any updates over the air or anything because the intelligence and the machine learning is all based in the cloud and also in the growers' um, smartphones. And so we can update that stuff frequently. We'll do that, you know, on a weekly basis at a minimum. We're releasing new versions of our applications and our server systems continuously, which is awesome. And it drives a lot of engagements from our customers. They'll log in several times a day, which is great to see, particularly when there's critical things going on. Um, we're not quite at like the level of social media um, activity, but it, it, you don't find a lot of applications that people log into three, four times a day. I think the record we saw 36 times in one weekend when it was a critical part of harvest for one grower. Um, but it's nice to know that we're providing that value and helping. Do you offer training then to your producers so they know how to use it all together and, and conveniently access it? Yeah. And so the, the, the first thing I'd say is we tried to design everything to be really easy to use and intuitive uh, because I think that always makes it better. Uh, I found that training is critical, but it's also really easy to forget your training. And so it's nice if you look at the, at the interface and it kind of comes back to you quickly. 
And so we'll, when we set up a system for a, for a customer, we'll walk them through how it all works and we'll show them the critical insights they need. Uh, we'll also reach out to them if we see any particularly exceptional things or maybe some of our algorithms highlight something to us and we want to make sure they see it. Uh, but the goal is primarily that it's people are using our product uh, and they're seeing uh, the alerts we give them that we pick up automatically with um, artificial intelligence. And they're, they're, pretty, uh, they're pretty independent. And, and that's critical both because... Um, we think it makes it easier to use if you don't have to wait for somebody to get back to you. But also it's really important because, you know, there's, there's times where you're going to be out of connectivity and maybe you can't call us right away. You're standing in the middle of the field, you see something that's a question for you and you want to pull up our application and understand it right on the spot. And we've built the, uh, the mobile application so that actually runs fully offline. It'll pull up, you know, months of data for you in the palm of your hands off network even, and it won't hiccup. And that's important because when you're scouting, uh, you don't always have coverage. And this is, again, something we've learned during our early, very, our very early days as a company. And we we're wandering around um, Amon Orchards in the Central Valley of California with no coverage. Uh, and they're like, well, you're not going to be able to log in and pull data from a server here. So we're going to have to make it all work really well offline. So this is precision agriculture. Would you define this yeah, as precision we, agriculture? We, we like to think of it more as predictive agriculture. And the reason I say that is, um, one, we're not really about changing what you do per acre because uh, that already somewhat happens in specialty crops. We really are more about getting ahead of problems before they even start. So if we can predict, you know, the next week of what conditions are going to look like across a ranch, what can you do today uh, in the next few days to optimize growing conditions and drive yield and profitability? Uh, precision agriculture also, of course, has a little more overlap with broad acre crops. And since we're in the specialty ag area and focusing on those tree, orchard, vine, vegetable crops, um, it's nice to have something that differentiates a little bit, it's just so our customers understand that it's applicable to them. Now, let's talk a little bit about cost. How does that work? Sure. So we tried to structure our cost uh, to fit into how our customers pay for the services they use today. And so it all ends up being um, on a per acre basis as a monthly cost, as, as an annual cost paid monthly. So we're trying to knock out any capex uh, so people don't have to worry about that. And you can just go ahead and sign up and. Uh, we'll go get the system running for our customers and they'll just pay a monthly fee. And that monthly fee includes uh, all the hardware running and access to the data. And then of course they own the data afterwards and, uh, and we'll keep it secure and safe on our servers for them for whenever they need it. Okay. What am I missing? What else do we need to talk about or what other questions do you get that you would like to answer here today? Sure. So I think, you know, one thing that, uh, one thing that we get questions from a lot is, you know, how does this, how is this important to growers? You know, how, how do growers use this and what, what's the impact it has? And I think the best example I can give there is uh, if we talk about um, so some of our customers in, in wine grape country right now. So this is a Napa Sonoma area of California. Uh, wildfires have had a huge impact on the industry there. And, you know, it's, it's always hard growing in California. It was hard when I was a kid and there were droughts and it's hard today, but it's just honestly getting harder. And we see these mega wildfires now that come out. And so there's two things that can have that affects our customers. One is, unfortunately, you know, some of our customers are directly impacted by the fires where it might burn their acreage. It might even burn their, um, their facilities. And, you know, and it, it can threaten the lives of their, of their staff um, and, their, and, their, and their field teams. And it's just a, an intense experience. Um, the other thing you can do is that wildfire smoke will come along and it'll touch the grapes and it'll get inside the grapes effectively. And then it hides in there. And when you go and you squeeze the grapes to make juice to turn into wine, you put that wine in the fermenters and everything seems fine. And then, you know, over time, it starts to taste smokier and smokier until it ends up tasting like an ashtray. 
And so the challenge that our customers face is that they have to go and invest all those resources in growing a crop all season and then harvesting the crop and then processing it into uh, wine. And then suddenly they have 100,000 gallons of smoke tainted wine that nobody wants to drink. Um, and that's devastating, of course. And so our product helps the growers know if they have a risk of smoke taint, um, do some testing if they need to to follow on, but make decisions before they've committed to anything. You know, do you want to activate crop insurance? Uh, before you harvest, just if you think there's a huge amount of risk, and we can highlight that for you. When do you need to do testing across your vineyards? Um, if you don't have people and if you don't have teams on those uh, vineyards every day, you can't see the smoke. Um, and then finally, there's an even bigger challenge, which is not all wildfire smoke is the same. Uh, fresh smoke is worse. Uh, stale old smoke is a little bit better. We can't really tell, but our sensors can. And so we give people this this insight they need to operate during these extreme um events that can just really threaten their livelihood and uh and also i mean threaten the chance of having a really great product that we all get to enjoy so that that's a really important thing for us how do we go out and help an event like that and then in this next season we're deploying um other capabilities that will help with some of these extreme events like heat waves which in a specialty crop area uh, particularly again you know for wine grapes although other things will see this as well there's rolling terrain there's hills and valleys and so while the heat wave across a region may not seem very extreme. If you're on a ridge line that gets hit by sun all day, uh, the localized temperature can go way beyond what the forecast is. And so helping our growers know where that heat damage could occur so they can intervene ahead of time. Uh, can they spray some cow and clay on there? Can they maybe run misters? Can they do something to prevent heat damage to their crop? That's pretty big too. And that's the kind of thing we're looking at is how do we go and get people these insights ahead of time while there's time to intervene and make decisions and make profitable decisions uh, so that you can have a good harvest and a good year. I want to thank my guests for joining me here today for this conversation. Adam Keppel, the Chief Executive Officer for Agrology, and they're online at agrology.ag. Thanks for tuning in to this edition of the Ag Queen Podcast with your host, Lori Boyer.